testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's 4th Congressional District. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like, and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. Today's episode of Washington is going to be a little bit different. Instead of Congressman Ben McAdams conducting the interview, he's going to be the subject. Representative McAdams' older sister, Jackie Pack, invited him to be a guest on her podcast, which normally deals with addiction and recovery. Instead of the normal Washington interview, you're going to hear an edited version of Thanks for Sharing with Jackie Pack. So our guest today is a former Utah senator, then ran for Salt Lake County mayor and became mayor of Salt Lake County. And then in the last election in 2016, he was elected as a United States congressman. And I think I know him pretty well. We used to share a bedroom wall growing up. And uh, so I'm also happy to say that he's my brother. And so I'd like to introduce our guest, Ben McAdams. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. So I wanted to talk about kind of what we were talking about. You and I have kind of talked a little bit before this recording, just how politics really is for everybody. And at this time in in our countries, particularly in the United States, we seem to be very divisive. And we're very much split into kind of a us versus them. And whoever, whatever side you're on, right, you're the us. And then the other people fall into the them category. And politics isn't best when it's like that. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you about this, number one, is because you are working um, as a United States congressman. But I wanted to talk about politics in a way that we're talking about, like, how do we all come together and how do we make politics work for everybody? Or at least most people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I would say, first of all, most people who engage politically are going to do it not as an elected official, but as a member of the public, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes uh, we as members of the public have some false expectations of, of our elected officials. We expect, you know, disagreement is bad, mm-hmm. um, and we expect them to never change their mind. Or, you know, we want politicians, we want elected officials who will listen and, and solicit feedback from us. But sometimes when, we, when they do and their opinions may evolve and they may, uh, based on that input, change their mind, mm-hmm. we think that that's a bad thing and we'll call them out for it. And I think I've noticed this in, in my public service. I think I've always felt that it's important to do public hearings and town hall meetings and to listen to the public. And, and it's an educational process for me. And I see pitfalls in ideas that I've had. Uh, I'm willing to change my proposals to evolve in response to the feedback mm-hmm. of the constituents that I've received. And, you know, and ultimately my job right now is representative. And I say that, that that's my job title. It's also my job description. It's to represent right. my constituents. And so listening to them and being willing to, I think, humbly take feedback and input from them and then craft my ideas in response to that is a, a good and noble thing, not uh, something to deride Right. So I wouldn't say one of the things we can do then as a member of the public is engage sincerely and with the goal of educating an elected official and helping them to understand your point of view. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's important. The other, I guess, false expectation that sometimes we have as members of the public is we expect when there is disagreement amongst our elected officials that that's a bad thing. Right. And I'm of the belief that the system that was created is an adversarial system. It's one where you have people from strong backgrounds with strong opinions going to hash it out. And those mm-hmm. are debates and those are result in arguments and and in many ways that's to be expected and that's the way the process is supposed to work. What's broken I think is when when you see the gridlock and I think Washington is broken today. Mm-hmm. You see gridlock, there's no no disagreement, no listening with the goal of finding agreement. And when I've been able to do things that I'm proud of, it's I sit down with somebody with a very different point of view who, you know, maybe sometimes even opposed to what I'm trying to do. We sit down, we talk, we listen to each other, and then we come to consensus. Sometimes it's compromise. Sometimes I'm willing to give a little bit on my position mm-hmm. to find middle ground with somebody else. But better than compromise is consensus. When mm-hmm. I see their point of view and realize that there was maybe a gap in my understanding or a gap in my proposal, and they saw it because of their background and their perspective, and I wasn't able to see it, and I, we can fix it. And we can tweak whatever I was working on or proposing to fill that gap that they saw and they were concerned about. And then you have consensus where mm-hmm. we, we both agree mm-hmm. um, in a modified proposal, new proposal that's better. And I guess one thing I would say is if we're observing this process through the eyes of the public, recognize that you're going to see in through the news media or social media, whatever, you see that disagreement. That disagreement isn't something to be disgusted by unless it's disagreement for the sake of gridlock and childish disagreement. But healthy disagreement, mature disagreement is actually a really good thing. That means the process is working as long as we hold our elected officials accountable to ultimately finding common ground and finding solutions. Arthur Brooks is, um, wrote, has a book that's out right now that I've been reading. And in that book, he says, what we need in, I'm paraphrasing, what we need in, in political life is not less disagreement. What we need is better disagreement. Mm. We need to hold people accountable to disagreeing constructively. They, they have strong opinions. They should vigorously advocate those opinions, but do it in a constructive way with the goal of finding solutions and common ground. So mm-hmm. to, to summarize, I think two misconceptions, we expect people to never disagree and to never change their mind. When in reality, we do want them to disagree just to do it maturely and constructively. And we do want people to change their mind and let's allow people to have that disagreement. It's healthy. Disagreement is not what's broken about our system. It's unhealthy disagreement mm-hmm. and a willingness to listen and to modify their uh, ideas and stances is a sign that the system works, not that it's broken. Yeah, I like that. Let's talk, before we, we talk um, some current stuff, let, let's talk a little bit about what brought you into this field and what, why this was a pathway you chose. Well, I think it probably started, I'm a middle child, right? So um, <laughs> the classic middle child of, I think, always trying to appease and, and, to, and bring people together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think that's a skill set that served me well in this line of work. Is, is trying to forge common ground. I also, you know, I think I have an inner desire to, to make the world a better place, to contribute mm-hmm. to my community where I'm, where I am, whether it's my, you know, as a state senator or as a mayor and now uh, in the United States Congress. It's to, to give what I can to making our community better. And that's, you know, I, I, my sister is in social work, so mm-hmm. maybe it's something that's 
innate in our DNA or upbringing, the desire to give back. But that's something that does drive me is a desire to make our community a better place. And then I think I've found that I have a, you know, some unique skills that, that can contribute to that. Yeah. Lately, I I read an article recently um, where you were quoted in, you know, in Utah, the LDS church has a pretty solid welfare program um, that's available to members of the church who are in need. And you've lately, I think it was in the Guardian, was it in the Guardian? Something like that. Something like that, that you were, you know, they talked about a lot of public representatives don't want to talk about that side and that you've been one who's been open about the fact that our family was on church welfare, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily public welfare, but we were on church welfare and and that it actually impacted our family in a way that helped our mom get out of an abusive relationship, kind of get back on her feet as a school teacher with six kids that she was having to support with no guarantee, right, that our dad would offer any support or care about that. Mm -hmm. And so I think Sometimes in politics, we have this idea, like the reason sometimes people roll their eyes is because they think that politics is maybe a game that the elite play, right? Or that it's something outside of the average citizen's reach. And I think one of the things, you know, about you and and there's other representatives and there's other, you know, national leaders who have talked about their story and talked about how that wasn't their path into this leadership, right? And that this isn't necessarily just kind of a game of power that they play. Um, can you say anything just about that and maybe how your background there led to... Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things that being now holding several different offices that I've seen, there is that kind of perception, too, that these are elitist, powerful individuals who are in public service. And, and there is some of that, and I think there's too much of that, yeah. right? Where I think I read a comment that was talking about you and your offshore accounts can like, you know, like <laughs> stick it basically, right? And I was yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah no okay. offshore accounts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, especially in a legislative body, I think this is some of the magic of American democracy, is we um, gave a platform for everybody from any walk of life to... To contribute, and, mm-hmm. and what I've seen in you know as mayor, I was in the executive branch, and that's a little bit different type of service. But in the state senate and now in Congress, legislative bodies are comprised of people from literally every part of this country, mm-hmm. with probably every representing almost every perspective in this country, uh, both socioeconomically, ethnically, uh, you know, different histories, different mm-hmm. faiths, and um, I think that is actually what makes the legislative body strong. When I talked about you know, people who can see around my corners and see gaps in my ideas and my thinking. And if I'm willing to humbly listen and incorporate that, be it Republican or Democrat, our ideas get better. Mm -hmm. And the moments when our country has done amazing things, I think it is because we have that collaborative spirit that we recognize that our, what's different about us is what makes us strong. You know, so my background, you know, certainly not one of privilege. I, you know, uh, as a, as a, child we you, you mentioned this is you know typical but in in divorce and family was frequently or occasionally probably without health care i remember mm-hmm. power getting shut off mm-hmm. or water getting shut off at different times or sometimes hours away from doing that mm-hmm. and having to pay the bill that day and some of that scare being scared as right. a kid not knowing what's happening when somebody comes to shut off mm-hmm. your i don't remember if it was water or power or both but or not having the groceries to, you know, I remember at the end of the month, it was rice and butter and right. salt and pepper, you know. I, was... I talk to my kids sometimes about what I ate as a kid, and they're just like, that's not even a meal. And I'm like, yeah. it was in my house. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when I started, I was in college, and uh, I had to work, you know, two or three part-time jobs mm-hmm. simultaneously to save up for my tuition and to pay for college. And 
I started, I, I wanted to go to, decided I wanted to go to law school, but I needed to probably have some extracurricular activities on my resume. My grades weren't bad, but they weren't 4.0. Mm-hmm. I think largely because I was working so hard and, and, you know, having to squeeze that in on top of school. So my grades were, were okay, but I felt like if I wanted to go to law school, I probably need to build out my extracurricular. And so I decided that I wanted to do, I did an internship in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And I remember then scrapping and saving and, you know, a few tricks that I did. I had to, I had a, a car. I was living with mom and commuting to school. And um, so I needed my car, but I couldn't afford to have a car payment and also uh, sustain myself in Washington. I mm-hmm. refinanced my car for no reason other than when you refinance, you skip a month's payment. <laughs> so it saved me $200. Right. At that point, I also started... Um, probably actually after my internship and I came back from my internship and started volunteering for a political campaign and politics doesn't pay well so the campaign I think probably was three or four dollars an hour basically mm-hmm. I got a, um, a monthly salary I think it was like a thousand dollars a month or something and then I got a, a stipend from a, a grant or something to help pay for that but it, it equated to probably three or four dollars an hour so I started uh, donating plasma uh-huh, I remember yeah so um, it would pay $20 each time, but on the fourth time it paid $50. So if you could keep up a pretty good pace, you could, you could, yeah, had to have several days spacing between mm-hmm. it, but I think you get two times a week. Right. So it would be, you know, $110 every two weeks. Um, so I would do that. And I liked that cause I could actually do my reading and my homework and that, uh, while I was hooked up to the right. plasma machine. I remember much later as I was um, in office and people were asking me my background, uh, sometimes people would say, so, you know, what do your parents do? Is is politics in your blood? And I would <laughs> kind of laugh and say, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I think mom and dad voted. Yeah. Maybe not every time, but that was... Mom probably, more than dad, probably. Yeah, that was probably the extent of, of our their political engagement. Yeah. But, you know, I felt like this was a, a place where I could... I could give back. I could I could make a difference. I think my first political experience, though, you took me to volunteer for a candidate who was running. Yeah. Um, I was still in high school. I think you were a couple. You were I, yeah, four years college, older than yeah. me, so you were in college and took me to volunteer. And I thought it was interesting. You know, I didn't ever envision maybe doing it running for office, mm-hmm. but I guess here I am. Yeah. A pleasant surprise for me is, you know, from the state senate to local government to Congress is full of a lot of just ordinary people and ordinary people from both sides of the aisle who want to do good. And mm-hmm. they may have different opinions about what good is and how to do good, but I think there are a lot of good people and for the most part, accessible people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I have open office hours. Now my time is spread thin and I represent 800,000 people, so I can't meet with every one of them, but we try to make time to meet. I meet with people this week. I met with a college student who was concerned about an issue, you know, met with a group of um, farmers who were concerned about some issues. And, you know, I think you can, your elected mm-hmm. official is approachable and you can meet with them. You can engage with them by email, social media, Twitter. You know, I generally, I don't respond to every message, unfortunately, but I try to, and, or my staff does. Um, I would say reach out. People are accessible and you can engage with them. The other thing I would say is hold your elected officials accountable to a standard. Mm -hmm. Now that standard isn't you agree with me in all cases and if you disagree, I'm going to burn you to the ground. Mm -hmm. But I think, first of all, I would hold them to a standard of, you know, I've been in Washington now six months and trying to diagnose 
what's wrong and how to fix it. And I've come to the conclusion, while there are some bad actors on both sides, there are so many good people on both sides, but we find I think they find themselves doing small things that individually isn't what's broken about Washington, but if you have 500 elected officials all doing small things that are destructive, it adds up to a broken Washington. Mm -hmm. So I hear some of my colleagues who I know are good people, who I have good relationships with, we work together, and then I see them stand up on the floor and say, the Republicans are this and this and this, and or the Democrats this and this, and this bill is broken because the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I just hear that language of tribalism mm -hmm. that is And those so, are loud voices. Those are loud voices. And in the individual, maybe that's not enough to break it. But if everybody's doing that and the message we're sending to our constituents is the other side is bad and evil and they hate America mm -hmm. and our side is always good and always loves America, um, you know that we break the system. It's mm -hmm. small acts of aggression that in the individual maybe aren't that big of a deal, but in the aggregate is is what breaks it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've said is I will never use tribal language. You know, I'm not going to use that language of Democrats or Republicans. And, and there are going to be times that I disagree, but I'll always state that person's name. Mm -hmm. You know, disagree again, disagreement's okay. Right, we right. want to disagree. We don't need less disagreement. We need better disagreement. So I can say, Representative A, I disagree with your position, and here's why. But um, I always individualize it and not tribalize it. And the second thing is, is always give your colleagues the benefit of the doubt that their intentions are pure. Mm. Never, It's never because you are a racist, you are anti-American, you are, when you, when you go to a personal attack on somebody's intentions, that breaks it. Mm -hmm. And it's small acts of that over time multiplied by 500 elected officials that break, plus the media and that, that mm -hmm. breaks it. So if you can individualize it on a political point or a philosophical point, not on a character trait, that can elevate our, our disagreements to mm -hmm. be healthier and more constructive and to say, I disagree with you, Representative A, because I think you're missing, what you're not seeing is that this problem right here, and you, you can't forget this. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that can help to fix it. So that's, you know, I think... Part of why I'm there is why, you know, this is why I've been successful as a Democrat in a conservative state like Utah. It's always recognizing the dignity of the individual and their and their motivations for serving mm -hmm. and, and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Their motivations are the same as mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, and ultimately listening with an ear to then find agreement. So one story, and I, I think I've shared this with you before since the, this story happened, but I remember it's one of my favorite stories uh, about you and it, you know, it's something I've kind of remembered as both of us have gotten older and I've kind of watched you in your career and doing different things that you do. And, and so I, it, I was, I think I was newly married and you would have been, I don't know, like graduating high school or something like that. And you came by our apartment and I was home. My husband wasn't home at the time and I was home and you and I were just kind of talking as I was like fixing dinner. And, and you mentioned, I remember you sitting kind of up on the counter and talking to me and, and you said that one of the things uh, that you thought I was lucky as a girl, right, is that when I got married, I didn't have to keep my maiden name and I got to change my name. And that as a male, you like this, the tradition, right, is that you keep your surname and you were just saying, like, I don't really have a lot of pride in my surname. 
you remember this? Mm-hmm. And uh, you said... Because of our dad. And, yeah, because yeah. of our dad. And and it's not like McAdams is a super popular name, right? Like, I mean, now there's like Rachel McAdams and a few other, but at the time, like we were the only ones in the phone book, right? And I remember both you and I had done, we were kind of talking about this, both of you and I were like, okay, so if, if it's not there with our dad, like let's look back further and find kind of the pride in the name, right? Nothing against McAdams out there in the country, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the origins weren't all that great either. Like there was some horse thieving and, you know, escaping the law, different things yeah. like that. And so we were just kind of like, oh, okay, great, right? And, and I remember you saying, like, I guess if I can't change it, uh, like just get a different last name, right? Have a different surname. Then I've got to bring honor to it. Like if, if it starts with me, you're the oldest boy in our family. We have three girls, three boys. You were the oldest boy. And you said, if I have to change it um, by bringing honor to it, then that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I mean, at the time you're like 19, right? And so, and I was like 24. So I was kind of like, well, I, good for you. Good on you, right? Like go do that. And I remember several years later, you were student body president, I think, at the University of Utah. And you made like a, I went out to get my newspaper out of the driveway. And like you were there kind of on the front front page picture of you sitting on the Capitol steps in Utah. And I was like, I, I flashed back to that memory of you saying that in my kitchen. And I was like, good for you, right? And I mean, I, I will f- say, like, I think all of my brothers have brought honor to the mm-hmm. McAdams name and that the grandkids, their kids, my kids don't feel the way that we did about our surname. And, and so I think you also, I've watched you with that, like kind of take that charge that you gave yourself and, and do something with that. Right. And, and as we're talking about politics and kind of saying like politics, isn't a bad thing. Like so many of us are fed up with politics and we have to kind of remind ourselves like politics is not a bad thing, right? It's the process of coming together and organizing how we live in communities. And that's a good thing. And if we look to our leaders to do that, right? If we hold them accountable to doing that, then we can start to reclaim politics as something that is working. Yeah, I think um, I think there's, I guess the irony is, is, you know, when you go into politics, a lot of people don't like you. <laughs> they too, smear so, your name, yeah. right. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully my kids have some, you know, at least, at least some pride in the name. But I think that's always something that's been important to me is to be able to look myself in the mirror and be proud of, of what I do and the decisions I make mm-hmm. and the service that I give. But I think, yeah, I think public service can be a noble thing and, and giving back to our community. And, and I would like to think that I've served in a way and continue to serve in a way that elevates the notion of, of public service. I think maybe that's a little bit about what's wrong with Washington too, is um, we're always tearing each other down. It's no mm-hmm. wonder Congress has an approval rating that's lower than the flu, you know? Right. And uh, it's because we spend so much time and money in campaigns of tearing down the institution tearing down the, the country that we love in the institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, I think there's a lot of blame to be laid at the Congress and mm-hmm. at Washington, but uh, we can change that. We have to change that or, you know, or I don't know where, where we go if we don't figure mm-hmm. out how to fix that and, and to change that. So, yeah, I think that it is the process. It's, it's an adversarial process by design. It's a process that has helped us to cure diseases. It's, you know, sent put humans on the moon, we'll put humans mm-hmm. on Mars. It's an incredible system that has created 
prosperity and health and quality of life for humanity mm -hmm. across the globe. It's a system that's been copied by hundreds of countries around the globe to give people freedom of thought, freedom of religion, freedom uh, to be true to yourself and safety and you know peace and prosperity. There's something to be proud of with that, and I think that's right. I think that's that's the system we have. Um, we've got we've got a little bit of some sickness right now, but but I think um, it is something that we can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. We'd like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andrea Smartin, Allison Heron, Danny Akana, and of course, Congressman Ben McAdams. We give a special thanks to Jackie Pack and her team at Thanks for Sharing, which you can find at HealingPathsRecovery.com. Washington is a production of the Loudmouth Project.